Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. On my show today, I have two guests. I'm going to introduce them separately. One I've known for a long time in the in the Steve Hall morning show days. (laughs) His name is Ron Gilliard. He's a trusted marketing and media executive who has advanced the initiative of companies and individuals in the technology, marketing, and music industries for over 25 years. He's a forward-thinking strategist. Gilliard has been able to consistently drive revenue growth, market penetration, and creative developments for all his clients. Also on the show, first time he's on the West Coast, he already told me, his name is Will Campbell. He's the co-founder and CEO of Quantity LLC. Will's more than 25-year career can be most easily summarized by the quote, if you want to come up with new answers, you have to ask new questions. It is with his vision that he's co-founded and led the growth of the agency to what now amounts to more than 60 people and one fully integrated cultural marketing force. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Chief Growth Officer of Quantity and Associates, where he is also a partner with co-founder and CEO of Quantity LLC, Ron Gilliard and Will Campbell. Thank you. Wow. Thank, you. thank you, sir. I, I, I had to get a lot out. Y'all got a lot to talk about, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, but when you have something like when I off air, I was just letting them know about the show, everybody. I was just setting up what this show really about. And I, and I, and I hope they took it as a compliment. I felt that in the industry that we that I try to reach, the entrepreneurial space, the information space, you two guys are to me as recognizable talents like Kevin Hart type talent, like the 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 high pro profile celebrity talents. You guys are celebrities in your own right as what you guys are doing in this particular brand of business. And since you are the co-founder and the CEO of Quantity LLC, Will Campbell, tell us what that what that company does initially. Yeah, thanks, Rashawn. Um, so we're a creative services agency. Um, I think the shortest way to put it is we help businesses and brands grow by pushing culture in the right direction. 
Um, and the, the services that we provide extend to entertainment, technology, marketing, branding, um, and how we bring culture into those worlds to help grow businesses and brands. Right. So now that's that's the creative side. Then, then Ron, you come in, I see revenue growth tied to your name. Explain to me and uh, my listener exactly what does that mean? Um, that means finding opportunities to to grow the company from a financial standpoint, from right. a revenue standpoint, from a size standpoint, and helping our partners. You know, the sign of a good partner is someone who not only, you know, so who pays you money. Right. Yeah, they, you're an employee if they just pay you. But if you're able to show them ways in which they can grow their business and elevate, you know, their business and grow their revenue, then that's the sign of a good partnership. So with the clients that we have and hope to have, um, we've always tried to not only, you know, be there and be creative on the marketing side, but we look at that business, Will and myself and, and other members of the team, and we try to find ways, if they're not thinking about something, to illuminate that for them. I used to always say, sometimes you're so busy running the store right. that you, you you spend no time growing the store. Right. Or, you know, so just finding ways to 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 increase profitability. Whereas like just say, you know, you can't make the hamburger, clean up the store, and drop the fries at the same time. Somebody gotta be working the cash register too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and that's really what this is all about. When my when I try to interview people on these shows, I try to get information about what money making conversation really is all about. It's about these different layers that we have out there. And so Will, why did you why did you bring up individual like Ron into your company? What 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 visionary needs that you have to have somebody in your platform? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, man. When when we first started this company, you know, we saw these different worlds. Uh, there were people in the entertainment space, um, and then on a whole different plane, there were people in the tech space, right? Um, and then in a whole different world, there were people in the marketing space, and they were all very sort of like disconnected units, but. I always saw it as one space. Right. I always saw how technology works with entertainment, works with brand development as one thing. And then as, as Ron and I developed our friendship first, he, he instantly occurred to me as somebody that just got that. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's a way that he had been working for years and years. He and I started off on some entrepreneurial things, doing some things together. Right. Um, and it came to a point where it was like, hey, man, I would love for you to come over here and help me grow this. We had a, a similar vision mm-hmm. um, as well as with my, my other partner. And so it, it really was just a clear understanding and he has so much knowledge and insight into where we were trying to take the business. It just made a lot of sense for us. Okay. Now he, now he threw some out at, I got to ask you what knowledge and insight did you have Ron? I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being curious here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a visionary saw a person over there and I love you. You know, I've always loved your personality because I don't care what was going bad or, or good. You were always wrong. You stayed right there. You stayed centered. So what, what, what qualities did you have? that Ron that that really just just stepped the whole process that made it a great partnership um 
You know, I, I kind of feel that that's a better question for Will, but I will. Um, oh, no, 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 don't change the wrong. Sometimes, sometimes you got to talk about yourself, okay? Other people yes. can talk about you, but sometimes you got to talk about yourself because a lot of people don't do that. That's what social media is all about. Social media right. is, a, is a, a form. I call it, we live in the Muhammad, the Mama Hali era. That's what I call people because you got to tell people <laughs> you're the greatest now because he branded it, but now people are doing it now. So I'm not saying you got to tell the people you're the greatest, but there are qualities that people see in people like you that some people need to like understand that has value and right. I, I met you in the record game you know when I was a listening to player music you had artists with radio show radio stations and things like that that's how I relationship now you're in a whole different platform and a lot of people don't know how to make that transition they feel like they're stuck yeah so for me I've always had a we not me mentality right I have always tried to analyze I think my one of my biggest faults is also one of my biggest biggest um assets right and I needed to down downsize the fault part of that and and but recognize it I was never comfortable in the space that I was in I was always looking toward the next what's next right. when I was an intern, I was trying to imagine, I came to work every day dressed like I was the director right. of marketing or director of A&R. When I was that, I was came as if I was vice president. And I just came to work every day thinking like, I'm going to run this particular job that I have as if I'm the president of this organization. I'm not, but I know that I want to be. So I was always off in the future. Um, I think that, you know, you said I'm always calm. I think this is me angry. This is me mad, <laughs> right. you know, sad, <laughs> glad, whatever. So I'm always centered and I'm always watching. I learned at an early age that you were going to learn so much more by listening than talking. Right. So it was, I think it's the reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I was in a business that in the music business, my job was to spot talent. Right. But I didn't just look for people that could sing or dance. I also looked for people that had a different kind of talent and executive talent. And I've worked, you know, with some really, really smart legendary, if you will, people. And I said, when I got in the music business, that when they wrote the book about hip hop, when they wrote the book about R&B music, um, I at least wanted a sentence in that book, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> you know, if I get a chapter, so be it. Mm -hmm. And, but I became Robin to a lot of Batmans, right? And, I, I I worked alongside Andre Harrell. I worked alongside Sean Combs or P. Diddy or Puff Daddy or Puff or Diddy or whichever one we're going with this week. <laughs> so um, I worked alongside Clive Davis, Jimmy Iovine, um, you know, Irving Azoff, Simon Renshaw, some of the best in the business to do it. And to be honest, when I met Will, I always tell this funny story, which I'll, you know, so it's long, so I'll abbreviate. I realized Will could sell water to a drowning man. He right. could sell sand to an arrow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's something about this guy. And 
he had similar qualities to some of those people that I named that I'd worked with in the music business. Right. And so it was a no brainer for me to try to be helpful. And I had a perspective and I had this worldview and you get elevated to this in music, you get elevated to this somewhat unreal perch of that, you know, everything when you don't, but since I was on that perch, I was going to try to read and, and consume as much knowledge as possible. And I'm not a talkative guy normally, but if I become comfortable with you, it's hard to shut me up when I think I know something. So, well, well, definitely. Uh, you have the skill, the gift of gab. We all need to have that in order to be successful in this business. I'm speaking to just re- re- reintroduce you guys to my audience, Ron Gilliard and Will Campbell, uh, Quantacy and Associates, uh, Quantacy LLC, which are especially a fully integrated cultural marketing force. Um, Ron is on the East Coast and Will is on the West Coast. Now, Will, he said something. He said that you can sell water to a drowning man. Okay. So now the pandemic hit. Now, when the pandemic hit, in March, and this country said, uh, we have to shut down. I, all my staff became employed via Zoom. And so I don't have 60 people, but I got enough that I had to keep the checks rolling to create some type of synergy and also try to continue to make money or plan to make money. So yeah. with the skill level that you have, being able to sell water to, to, water to a, a, a drowning man, what did you do with it and what was your perspective when the COVID-19 hit and it impacted your uh, business practices? Um, I mean, it was, you know, when it comes to, I think the idea of selling to people, it's about how you can help. And that was the question we asked, how can I help? Mm -hmm. Where can I help? Um, And, and helping people sells itself. Um, And, you know, I don't think people place enough value on what it means to provide value to others. So what we did was we really looked at um, the people in our world and what challenges they were facing, what new challenges they were facing in light of the pandemic um, and where we could come in and, and play a role. And so for each of our different clients, there were different issues that they were suffering. Right. We also looked internally, but as a, for instance, um, knowing that we have in-house engineering and technology chops, um, we looked at the event business, which had gotten decimated Absolutely. because, you know, people couldn't produce events. We had clients that had events scheduled that they had to cancel. We have friends that are event producers. Um, and so we delivered technology that we had already been working on to create virtual events. And, um, you know, people in the event business, for, for instance, working closely with uh, Rich Dennis at Essence, who's also a visionary, a great guy. Um, their Essence Festival, which as you know, is a massive, massive, massive event. 600,000 people generally attend. Mm-hmm. Was gonna be canceled. Mm-hmm. So not only do, do those 600,000 people within the black community miss out on this huge opportunity? There's a whole laundry list of clients and sponsors and all that. So this would be a big revenue hit, right? So by, by partnering with Rich and his team to deliver the Essence Fest virtually, he's got a great group of producers and staff on his side as well. Right. By partnering with him to deliver it, he was able to help those clients to recover that revenue and mm-hmm. still serve 
um, his mission and his and his audience and his um, essence uh, subscribers. And so, like I said, that that sells itself. Um, and so identifying those opportunities to help people is really where it starts. You know, it's really interesting that you brought up the essence because of the fact it is a massive live event and massive live events or any live events. You know, it affected individuals, touring, stand up comedians, singers, uh, large tours, movie theaters, anything that had mass attendance was affected by the uh, country shutdown as well as still affected by the COVID-19 and the virus that may be encountered without proper social distancing and masks. Now, do you feel that there that because of the pandemic that the virtual industry, when I say the virtual uh, entertainment side has been even more developed when I watched the Emmys last night and just watching, uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to participate in some self-produced uh, virtual events myself. Well, do you think the Essence Festival would always would consider doing a virtual version of it because of the success it had this year? Or you think that the, the live way is their only way that they're going to continue to do business? And, and what a great question. And, and, here, and here's what I'll say. I'm going to go back to go forward. So as you know, in recent years, mm-hmm. the live event business was skyrocketing. Uh, whether it's Coachella, whether it's Essence Festival, she's talking about music festivals, conferences, complex kind, you name it. And from a, and these were huge revenue centers, yes. right? For sponsors, for product sales, for tickets, for all of those kinds of things. But what you've seen recently over the last years is how much these live event experiences were working to become more digital. Right. Anyway, right? So you go to an event, now you're seeing uh, photo ops for Instagram and hashtags to track this and to sell this because of creating an epicenter of culture and activity that could then spawn a, a, a global reach, right? To create more engagement um, for, from all around the world. So I think that global perspective of a live event is only going to continue. I think during purely virtual events, I think there's some fatigue around that. And mm-hmm. so I think even though they have swelled, mm-hmm. when the actual physical events come back, it's going to enhance the virtual event I, even I agree. more. I agree. Right? Because now it's like, hey, you can participate in this event um, in addition to the physical versus instead of, right? It's not an instead of, it's how, it's how they work together. So now you can have a Coachella, a conference kind of essence fest, but still have a global reach where people can kind of participate and grow. So I think that the physical events will come back and they'll come back with even greater digital extensions and capacity going forward. And so with that being said, Ron, I was talking to uh, the agency that represents the Air Force and we were talking about virtual events and they were saying is, you know, they've not seen enough yet to quantify, quantify the success of whether these virtual events work. Because, you know, in a live event, you know, when somebody walks through the door, you can that's a person. You You can get their information, get their background information and they can be part of the data growth. And you can you can you can justify uh, that action. Now, when you're getting into this virtual world, which is a potential new revenue growth stream for for you to be able to go out there and talk to new partners or old partners, how does this conversation I just had with Will and the conversation I just had with this agency that represents the Air Force come come into play with you and what you and when you're when you're trying to generate revenue growth? 
I think the thing that I tell someone, and I didn't, I'm not going to take credit for this quote. Well, there's two quotes that I, I try to tell, try to slip into every conversation that I have with right. someone about growth. One of them is uh, predicting rain doesn't count. Building the arc does. There are a lot of people that could tell you what's going to happen or what they think is going to happen and all of this other stuff. And they do nothing. And then they're still not prepared when that thing happens. Right. Um, the other one is the quickest way to failure is always is, is saying, but that's not how we've always done it. And so I think to piggyback on the question that you asked Will and, and, and also to answer the question that you've just asked me is. And I'll tell this story. We started building that virtual platform that Will spoke of before COVID-19. Right. We, we started building it off an idea of what if, mm-hmm. again, asking different questions, right? Right. Um, what if I can experience, what if I want to experience the live event, and then we'll use Essence as an example. There are things at Essence that you are missing out on when you make certain decisions, right? About what you're going to do and how you're going to spend your time. Yes, everyone is in the stadium at night, but there's seminars by day. There's, you know, they take over the convention center. Mm -hmm. You can go shopping. You could do all of these other things and all of these. So you make choices and you don't get to see other things. Virtual allows you to get that rest you need for that Janet Jackson concert tonight (laughs) and still see that panel with Rashawn during the daytime. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from a revenue growth standpoint, this person has spent money on the ticket, right? spent money on a hotel, Mm -hmm. renting a car or engaging in Ubers and transportation, building that local economy, building money for, you know, essence coffers, Where's the revenue? Where's the growth potential? Right. I'm going to charge $9.99 for him to log in. There you go. To see Rashad's panel. Mm-hmm. And he could still be in his hotel room. He or she could still be in their hotel room preparing for the concert that they're going to see tonight. So there was always, I have a Comic-Con analogy. I have a Complex-Con analogy. I have all of those other things. So I think the other thing is the barrier of entry, we all had to sign into Zoom. I clicked the button. I clicked on the link. Mm-hmm. Someone in your organization let me in. Right. And we're here. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to gather more information, then I fill out something. So that same data that you're getting by my be physically buying that ticket through Ticketmaster or whatever for that live event, you can gather that data and a more accurate version of that data digitally. And so all of that helps with um, growth and thinking about um, how to engage both in a physical and digital world. I love before COVID-19, I think people thought it was one or the other. Right. And we've, we always viewed it as one and the other. Which is very smart. When you, when I see companies like Disney, when they do what they're doing with the movie Mulan, which they've yet to tell anybody how much money they made so far. When they said, look, we got 80 million subscribers and we're going to charge $30 a ticket. If we can pull in 10% of that, 
and still put this in the movie theater, that 10 percent that we got, we get we control 100 percent. And the thing that, you know, one of the major reasons of just hearing numbers like that and talking to a growth expert and talking to a founder or a visionary, I consider both of you guys visionaries. When I when I talk about the future is that the technology aspect. And one thing that's always angered me, guys, is that blacks has always been viewed as less of less capable of delivering the technically advanced or the, the, the technically perceived well-organized platform. Do you, what, what do you have to fight against, Will, when you talk about your, your business, when people, and not saying people are doing this, let me just get that cleared up. I'm just talking about my experience in dealing with people having a, having a point of view that can be limited based on what they perceive I can do as an, as an African-American or as a company. How do you walk through that next step and, and present your company as capable of doing everything? You know, um, the short answer is sometimes you can show them better than you can tell them. Absolutely. Um, and I think that you have to um, put your faith in your team and in the work and do what you can. Um, now, that said, there are a lot of barriers to access yes. that we face. Um limitations to resources that we face and so at the same token i'm fully aware of that and i think just because maybe i've been able to have some success doing xyz doesn't guarantee that the next person in my position is going to have a fair shot right. and so i don't just look at it as like oh well hey look we did it and even though that there's those that have done uh, more and, and have had greater success than us i know that there's always like various limitations and so um, with that in mind, we still spend a lot of our time trying to break down those barriers with some of the philanthropic work that we do, with some of the advocacy work that we do. I serve on the Los Angeles County um, Small Business Commission for that exact reason, right. to find ways to advocate for resources and opportunities for small businesses um, and in L.A., which is largely um, minority so um, for me personally, it's about continuing to try to partner with the right people, gain access, um, for instance, in this opportunity to be able to partner with you and share knowledge and information to, to an audience that's come to trust what you're doing and what you have to say. Um, and then just continue to focus on doing really good work. Um, so that people, you know, gain trust in what you're doing. Well, you know, the reason I bring that up because I've been fortunate to be in this business, especially on the radio side from 2000 and listen, watch agencies to go from black agencies to the term multicultural agencies. And then they start yeah. divvying up the money and the money seems to be lesser for the, for, for on the black side of the agency that's trying to target that particular audience. And so now we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've seen a tremendous surge when I I say surge. I'm talking about Black Lives Matters. We've seen HBCU donations. We've seen companies announce that they have money set aside for minority supplier development, but not letting you know that minority suppliers also include white women. Okay, but and so when you're dealing with all these things, do you feel there's an opportunity now to really put your business into the forefront, Ron or Will, both of you guys can answer one at a time. I just want to get a sense of looking at what we're the, the landscape now. Are we able to really jump out there now and participate? Um, 
You know, I would say to a certain degree, yes. Um, I think that what we've seen, and, and just to shed some positive light on it, I think the the global awakening that you've seen has has a lot of people stunned me. Genuinely <laughs> reacting to the recent events and genuinely saying, "No, we can't allow this to continue," and genuinely trying to engage in conversations and looking to support black businesses and trying to find out what they can do when we see the rise of allyship. And I think that there's a certain genuine nature of that. Um, and I think it, it, there's a recognition of some of the, some of the, some of the black businesses getting opportunities have been doing great work for decades, you know, phenomenal mm-hmm. work for decades. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there's a, a little bit of a broader opportunity that, I think that we're we're happy about it's not enough, right? right? The playing field has not been leveled, right? Right? The system hasn't been dismantled yet. But to answer your question, I do think that we're seeing opportunities open up and, and some more focus. Um, but but the the work is nowhere near close to being finished. It's not. It's not. Uh, before I before I wrap up the call, I want to thank you guys for the time and you've given me to just talk about your brand. Talk about you two visionaries from a standpoint of what you deal with now, before the pandemic, while the pandemic, and post pandemic. Because we have to always think that there is a future, and if you don't plan for the future, then then there's no opportunity to see success. Now, there's an app. The, uh, the True Voice, a mindfulness app for women of color. Ron, what exactly is that? Wow, True Voice. So True Voice, um, we looked out over the, the the landscape and... Now I'm talking to two black men here. Talk about a female <laughs> app now. <laughs> we look out over the landscape and so we have, we try to look through it through the lens of business but also through a cultural lens and Absolutely. we notice that in the world of mindfulness and and as we deal with we deal I, I hear people talk about we're in the same we're all in the same storm I mean no we're all in the same boat we're all in the same boat and I, no we're in the same storm but we're definitely in different boats right right and so when you look at these apps and meditational apps and things like that that were very general market and they weren't very specific to um, the cultural realities of women of color or people of color. Absolutely. And again, predicting rain doesn't count, building the arc does. We decided that we wanted to play in this, that it would be great to introduce something that had that hit some of the cultural beats of that these other mindfulness or um, apps, these mindfulness apps were missing out on. The other part of it is, you know, to your other question, earlier question, once again, an industry was, was growing and being valued at hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars and people of color, to the degree that they were being thought of, were only thought of as consumers. Right. <laughs> they mm-hmm. weren't thought of as stakeholders in these businesses. 
And we had seen that in so many other industries before that we decided that it would be good to introduce something like this as fathers of daughters, as friends that have each other to lean on and talk through other things. Someone who believes in counseling, um, Will's mother is a clinical psychologist, grew up, you know, spent her career in that business. It was something that we saw the value in and the importance of. And so it was an app much like, you know, to put it in layman's terms, think of calm or headspace, but through the lens, the cultural lens of minorities or women of color. It's really, uh, thank you for that, that, uh, that great response. I know that uh, as a black man, and uh, and seeing, like you said earlier, Will, the cultural rage worldwide about what happened with the George Floyd. And, you know, I'm talking to black men, you know, the experience of what we have to deal with when a policeman. I don't I don't comfortably I don't feel comfortable when a policeman stops me because I don't know why he's stopping me. And it doesn't. And when he got pulled out of Mercedes Benz, I told Stephen A. Smith, I said, the game and change. They pulled him out of uh, that wasn't a beat up car. They pulled him out of they pulled him out of Mercedes Benz. And so that that level of disrespect showed itself. But what also came out of this was it was really interesting. A lot of my white friends called me that weekend and go, I didn't know. That was that was the question they said. I didn't know. They said, you, you actually have to deal with this? I said, yeah. And so being able to almost live my life through a, a lens of honesty now. I'm not saying I didn't because I'm Rushon McDonald. I'm going to tell you how I feel and what I feel. But if people are looking at me with a sense of um, understanding what I have to deal with will help us win. And when I, when I, and that's why I wanted to bring you two gentlemen on the show, because you're in a world that, you know, sometimes people don't appreciate you and will say, you can only do this. And we talk about the African-American experience, but I know for a fact, you can guys can do any experience. And so, but sometimes you say, I'm going to win here to win here, the financial picture. So with that being said, Will, are you, what is the future of your company? What is the you 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 brought Ron into this? Ron is the growth. Ron's a partner. What is the future of your company and your brand? Yeah, I think that it's um, to one is to get better at making the pivot. Right. I think that as we go forward, you know, one of the single most important skills that we can develop is the ability to pivot. Absolutely. And that's how you play the long game. Yes. Right. Um, Because so much information is coming at us so fast. Things happen. Things change all the time. And so really honing the skills that make us good at being able to pivot. And then I think when you layer that with what we talked about earlier on, even the reason that you that you do in this show in terms of helping people. And when you layer that in, how can I help people? Helping people sometimes means being philanthropic sometimes it means providing a service for a fee right in terms of developing a business right so i think for us it's focusing on those two things how do we continue to add value in markets and um with partners um and how do we make sure that we're always prepared to pivot and you know we don't get too we don't fall in love too much with any one idea (laughs) Mm -hmm. or any one 
project that we can't, you know, take the, the blinders off. So I think the future of the business is that being open minded, being curious, being flexible um, and always leading with um, how do we help push culture in the right direction? Awesome. Uh, hey, guys, um, I, I do bi monthly. I do a 90,000 fan club uh, newsletter goes out twice a month. Um, I love to put the True Voice app description banner in there, if you don't mind. I also have a platform called HBCU Awards. I'd like to drop that banner there because I'm about authenticity. I'm about organically telling a story. And um, True Voice, I, I, I downloaded it. I have a daughter. She's 24 years old. She's graduating from college, trying to find her voice. And any platform that allows her to feel comfortable and communicating and seeing people like her and comfortably communicating those values is important to me. And I just wanted to offer that. Uh, Ron, Will, uh, Leah, I believe she set up this interview. If you can get that banner to me, I appreciate it. I'll drop it in there. And again, thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, I, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, fellas. I know you're busy, fellas. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. <laughs> hey, man, thank you. Thank you for having us. It's great to see you. Great to see you still being great at what you're great at. So whenever you call, we'll be there. I appreciate you. Will, man, welcome to the family, brother. Welcome. Absolutely. Man. Appreciate it. All right. Y'all be safe, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, man. Bye. <laughs> If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.